day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Why don't you stay standing? Stay standing. Stay standing. Um, it is an honor to be here. I just want to first of all just say to Pastor Josh and Kristen, you guys are phenomenal. Thank you. It's an honor and privilege to be here. You guys are blessed to have such phenomenal pastors. Why don't you give an honor and love them? And uh, Becky and I had the privilege, Jamie brought us up yesterday, we had the privilege to spend all day with your uh, worship team yesterday, and can I just say, you have a phenomenal worship team, servant-hearted people that are just willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to be involved and see this worship go forward, and, and let me tell you, I encourage you guys to get involved. Get involved. If you have something creative that's burning within you, if you have a voice, that you, if you, you think you can't sing, it doesn't matter. Get up on there you know, and get involved and join because I'm telling you, worship is an amazing force when it's united and when it comes together and when, you, when, when a church just grabs a hold of that. So I encourage you guys to do that. But um, I'm excited to bring the word this morning. I know God is, uh, is a God. He's a healing God. He's a, a God of the miraculous. He's a God that wants to bring a seed, a powerful word this morning that I don't want a seed that's planted that just, you know, that just sits and lingers and eventually dies off. I want to plant a seed this morning that explodes in your hearts. Something that radically shifts your thinking, radically shifts your, uh, your, your motion. Just let the, let the fan and the flame. The picture I got this morning um, when I was coming in, I, I feel like there is a pot, and, and this pot is you just, as a team and as, as pastors, you guys have been throwing all the right things, all the right ingredients in this pot. And it's like together, I feel like there's a, a unity growing amongst you. I felt in the worship team yesterday, um, something that I haven't felt uh, over the last few years, and there's a unity growing amongst you guys, and the, you guys are like pushing this pot together. And it's like the right ingredients for this right time, and if you push it together, this just overflow of his presence, an overflow of salvation, an overflow of increase and breakthrough is about to come your way. And I'm excited. I'm very excited. And this morning, I want to go through the Second Chronicles 7.14. Who, this is basically a scripture that I've tattooed my heart basically for my entire life. But uh, I want to read it. I want to pray. And then I just want, I want to get straight into the word of God. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. So 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says this. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Father God, this morning we pray, we honor you, we glorify you, we lift the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, God, in this place and in this room, God. And we just thank you, Lord, we thank you that salvation is going to take place. We thank you that bodies will be healed, Lord, that chains will be broken, God, that you will have your way here this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Awesome. Well, why don't you take a seat, and while you're taking a seat, look to the person to the next to you and just say, I've been praying all week to sit right next to you. I've been praying all week to sit right next to you. So yes, I am um, Pastor Mark and Lee Ramsey's son-in-law. I have a joke with them. They moved to, uh, obviously, to the USA after, after starting this church uh, in the 90s. And they moved to the USA, and I have a joke with them that the reason they went to the USA for those four or five years is to get me and bring me back so I can marry their daughter. 
But uh, I'm married to a beautiful, beautiful woman. She is gracious. She is strong. She is loving. She is tenacious. She is an amazing worship leader. And I'm, I'm stunned that a long-haired Cherokee Indian American like me uh, somehow, somehow landed her. But um, we've got three beautiful children. I've got a son who's nine-year-old. His name is Jai, and he's in grade five. And he told me the other day he wants to move to the USA to be in the NBA one day and play basketball. And I'm like, son, you're not moving away from me. I'm sorry. What God, if, no, I'm joking. But um, I've got a five-year-old girl. Her name is Sienna. <clears throat> she's like a little Pocahontas. She's like a splitting image of me, and she's just beautiful. And, um, <laughs> and uh, we just, uh, we've just recently had a, another little baby girl. Her name is River Lee. And um, she is porcelain white. She, her nickname is Snowflake. Literally, like, she's just white as anything, blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, I had, like, a couple months before she was born, I had vision, I had a dream, a couple dreams that we were going to have a blonde hair, blue-eyed little girl, and she came out, and she is just so scrumptious, and she just has, I'm a, I'm a man that loves cheeks, like, kids' cheeks, like, I just love squeezing, you know, and uh, there was one, uh, one of our, our youth pastors who have now transitioned to run a, one of the locations, Sam and Carolina Gunster, they, uh, one of their daughters used to be in the creche downstairs, and she just had like squirrel chipmunk cheeks, you know, like just those, and I would just, I would go down there, and I'd squeeze her cheeks so much that eventually I'd just go down there, open the gate, and she'd just look at me, and f- she'd go, fine. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm a blessed man. I, I think parenting and family is, gosh, so important. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I love it. But um, I love taking our kids to uh, Wet n' Wilds. Anybody been to Gold Coast, Wet n' Wilds? Um, there's, a, there's a thing called Buccaneer Bay down there. And um, similar to the vision I, I got for you guys this morning, there's a thing called Buccaneer Bay where there's this massive buccaneer's head. And what happens is this buccaneer's head gets filled with water. You know, all the kids are playing on the slide and on this jungle gym and this, this you know, playground. And while they're playing, this massive buccaneer's head gets filled with water. And you don't know when it's going to happen, but little by little, the water just pours into it, and then all of a sudden, the kids kind of get really excited, and you hear this little bit of shrieking and screaming, and all of a sudden, this buccaneer head just pours over and just pours out everything all over these kids, and some some little four-year-olds just get slammed to the ground by this water, but they love it, and they're they're into it, and my my kids love it. They love going there, but in the same way, I have this vision uh, for the church of Jesus Christ is pregnant. The church of Jesus Christ is being filled and overflowed, and, and we are in such a beautiful time. Such a, I mean, the world is chaos. The world is destructive. The world, I just had a friend that I met with the other day, um, a, a, a man on his keyboard, uh, played keyboard in his worship team, um, came out and just openly confessed that he was sexually abusing his four-year-old daughter. I mean, so there is just, the enemy is st- trying to steal, kill, and destroy but at the same time, man, I'm telling you, the light of Jesus Christ, the church is winning. I'm telling you, the church is winning. It's moving. It's advancing. It's going forward. And God is pregnant. And guess what? He is ready. He is ready to move with whoever is ready to receive it, go after it, take it, and go for it. And I'm telling you, he, uh, Jesus, it's very clear. He says the kingdom of God is what? It's at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Not the kingdom of God will come in 2015 after we do A, B, C, D, and E. The kingdom of God is at hand. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord will cover the entire earth. The glory of the Lord will cover the entire earth. And I believe, man, uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14 gives us this formula. 
And as I was, as I was putting together this message, just breaking it down in my life with different things that God was saying to me, but I, I really believe, and we're starting to see in City Point, I really believe that God is ready to pour out a renewal, ready to pour out a new wave of His presence, a new expression of worship, a new sound. Many would call it for many years revival, whatever that looks like. But I'm telling you, it cannot be bought it cannot be packaged. It can't come in a kit. There's no seven keys to how to, how to get it. it. It's something when the hearts of you and I, the saints of Jesus Christ, get so desperate that we start seeking it, wanting it, desiring it above everything else in this life. Above to put food on the table. Above to see our bills paid. Above to see uh, our desires and our dreams fulfilled. And, and our, uh, whatever it is that we, we come upon, all good things. But there has to become a shift in our hearts. An underground revolution needs to take place inside where all of a sudden there's a fire that is so consuming, a fire that is so contagious, that is so undeniable, that it just overtakes our entire being. That when we walk out of these walls, that our mission is clear. Our mission is clear to bring the message and the love of Jesus Christ to this world. I'm sold out. I'm done. I've been wrecked and ruined my entire, for, for my entire life. I love it. I will, I will live and breathe and die bringing God to this world. So I have a couple keys that I want to throw in with 2 Chronicles 7.14. So it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and the first thing, humble themselves. So the first point I have is this. Am I in the way? If you have a paper pen... Make sure you take notes. I, I really believe I'm really strong in taking notes that you don't want to miss something that God's speaking. You don't want to miss something that God might, might just impart into your spirit at that time. If you have an Apple, definitely t- uh, take it out or an iPad. If you have a Samsung, let's just put it away for now. Um, ooh, it's always like that. Eh? It's, it's good. I, I love saying that. But uh, number one point is this. If my people would humble myself, humble ourselves, number one is am I in the way? You know, a few years back... Um, I, I love God. I love the church. I've been working for the church now for over eight years um, and uh, running the worship team at City Point Church, my wife and I, for the last five years. And like anything, whether you're in business, whether you're a, just an at-home mom or whether you're just um, running a, a, you know, a business or in ministry at the church, whatever it is, uh, life can get in the way. You can get caught up in the doing. You can get caught up with kids and having to, you know, cook meals and school lunches and school homework and, and getting, you know, A, B, and C done with everything like that. And I remember I was getting so busy with doing and so busy and caught up in, the, in all this stuff. You know, I was in my prayer time one day and I just started praying, saying, God, just more of you. God, I just want to see you in the, in the worship just increase and I want to see your presence increase in church. And I remember God saying this, Aaron, how can I move when you're in the way? How can I move when you're in the way. And, for, and a couple of years ago when I heard that voice, when God said that to me, I've been on this journey of trying to forget myself. True worship forgets itself. In the 1700s, a Frenchman called Francois Fenelon wrote this. He said, make yourself little in the depths of your heart. There's over 200 verses in the Bible on humility. Over 200 verses in the Bible about humbling ourselves. Humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. First Peter 5, 6. You know, and I started researching going on, and I found this quote. It says, God cannot fill people with the Spirit if they are already full of themselves. And if there is a real danger in the church of having a sufficient Spirit. 
If we're going to move forward and really bring God, bring revival, bring a new move in 2014, we have got to get out of the way. We have got to let God magnify into our hearts, look deep into our hearts, into our lives and say, come on, are we, is there something that's standing and allowing God not to move? The command is not to feel humble, it's to pray, and not to praise humility, not to act humbly, but to intentionally humble ourselves. And I love what David did in 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 22. 2 Samuel 6. He says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. See, he led the entire nation. He led the entire nation with publicly humbling, forgetting, losing himself, with a ridiculous, ridiculous act of worship. Who, who would dance in the street naked to glorify God? To us, that sounds ridiculous. If we were to see Pastor Josh do that in the streets of Noosa, we would just, I don't know, maybe we should rethink this. You know, but, but David led the way. He humbled himself to prove a point. He was king. His reputation was on the line. What would people think about him? What would his family members think about him when he would, would, would just lavishly pour out this offering of worship, not unto men, but to God, in order to humble himself to a king of kings? But see, uh, and going on, and I'm just thinking about this story. What made David do such an incredible act? What made David pursue such, a, such a, a, a thing? It was David's love for God that led him to this radical display of humility. It was love, that, the driven by love that pushed him to do this. And I think in my life, you know, I, I remember back when I, when I told Becky that I loved her for the first time. It was at a youth camp. And, um, you know, she, two weeks after we met, she came to me at a baseball game. We were raising money. We were selling hot dogs and doing a fundraiser. And she came to me. And we were in the back, um, while, uh, back of the place while everybody was cleaning up. And um, she, she came to me and she goes, you know what? I really like you. And I said... Oh, that's good. And I said, but you know what? I just really want to be friends right now, if that's cool with you. And we, so we became friends for the next 10, 12 months. And um, I remember we started dating. And we're just, I mean, literally, I, just, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this girl I was, gonna, was the girl I was going to marry. And uh, we went to this youth camp. And one night I was walking her back to the dorm rooms. And I remember just, I remember just that, that, one, that moment when I just, I wouldn't tell her that I loved her, you know? I just I w- didn't want to say it because we just over-abuse that word sometimes. And I, uh, there was just that moment when all of a sudden I just looked her in the eyes and it just, it just all this passion, all this emotion, all this love, just tw- you know, 18 months of just building up and I just spit it out. Just, I love you, I, lo- girl, I love you, anything. You know? And from that day forward, the next week, we went back to, uh, we, were, we were hanging out the next weekends and my, my ute, my truck, was parked across the street from her driveway and she had to go to work. And so she gets in her, her, I loved her so much, she gets in her car and she reverses out of, the, out of the driveway. And instead of just reversing into the street, she reverses across the street right into my ute. Backs up literally right into the front left hand of my ute. And because I loved her so much, I just looked at her and said, baby, it's okay. Don't worry. I'll pay for it. I'll work the next six months to pay it off. Don't worry. I'm, I won't even charge your insurance because I don't even want your insurance rate to go up. Don't worry about it. I love you so, that much. But it's amazing. When we love someone so much, we'll do anything. We'll intentionally, purposely do whatever it takes to humble ourselves to see that thing come through. Let me ask you this question. Are you in the way? 
Are you in the way of God moving in your family? Is it unforgiveness? Is it maybe bitterness of something that was said or spoken? Are you in the way of God moving more within this church because you're sitting back with your arms crossed waiting for permission, waiting for something to take place or waiting, I I don't know what it is, but let me ask you, are you in the way? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, number two, and pray. Number two is this, am I giving prayer a chance? Are you with me this morning? Am I giving prayer a chance? You see, for every action there is equal and opposite reaction. In other words, if I was to throw a ball at the wall, that ball would bounce back. You see, it's the same way. We're looking for the same thing when we pray. One of the most powerful actions in the universe is prayer. And when true prayer must produce and cause action, it's time we become unsatisfied with anything less than our prayers resulting in action. And I remember, man, I just remember going through a season that I just felt like my prayers just weren't being heard. I felt felt like I was a bit dry and stagnant. And what I mean by that is that... up here, things were going great. The anointing was moving, but off the platform, I just felt like I, you know, the stirring inside of me going, you know what? It's my responsibility as Jesus Christ to win people to Jesus. It's my responsibility also to, 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 if someone's sick, to lay hands on them, to see them healed, to see them set free. And so I started praying. I started praying, God, just Lord, open me up. Lord, challenge me. I pray for a radical faith, Lord, a divine appointments. God, sue something. And I just started praying where, where I had ceased, where I'd become silent. And I just started praying and time and uh, just day in, day out, just that same prayer. God, divine appointments, divine appointments, day after day. A couple months went by, nothing. And then all of a sudden, I was uh, watching one of the, my friend's bands down in um, uh, West End. And we were down there watching the band in West End. And uh, we went to the gig. And then after the gig, we were walking back um, to the parking lot. And as we were walking back, uh, we, we were sitting there at the corner of the street talking to a few of our friends. And uh, this guy just sort of tap, tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned around and I looked at this guy, and he, had, he was kind of teary-eyed. And he looked at me in the eyes, and he said, Are you, are you Pastor Aaron? He goes, Are you Pastor Aaron? He goes, are you, the, the, are you a pastor at City Point Church? He goes, My sister dragged me to City Point Church a few months ago. She dragged me to church. I heard you speak. I knew I had to give my heart to God that night, but I didn't. I've been running away from God. I'm addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to alcohol. I just lost my family, my wife, and my kids. What do I do? And I'm sitting in that moment. I looked at him and I just started speaking the love of Jesus. I started just telling him just simply, Jesus loves you. And I just said, hey, can I pray for you? Right there in the middle of West End, on the street corner. And I just, I've never felt the Holy Spirit more powerful in that moment. And I lay hands on him. We started praying. Man, he just started weeping uncontrollably right there in that moment. He was with a group of friends. And I said, here's my number. I want you to call me um, tomorrow. I want, to, I want to help you walk through this. And so I gave him his number. He, he actually left his friends in that moment. And just, I saw him walk down the street, take take a seat and was just crying uncontrollably. The next morning I had a phone call saying that I don't know what to do. This morning I woke up. I couldn't handle it. I've been drinking vodka all morning. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? I, I, I prayed about it. I put him on to one of the pastors in our church. And get this, literally within three months, within three months of myself and another pastor walking alongside of him after this encounter, after me sowing in prayer and just believing and saying, God, I'm unsatisfied without seeing you move in this world. I'm unsatisfied. I want to encounter you outside of these four walls. Get this. I got a text from, his name was Herbert. I got a text from him and he says this. 
Three months after, he says, God has restored my family. As in me, my four children now also go to church every Sunday. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. God has gone my way and uh, God has gone way and beyond in my life. His blessings in my life have made me a new dad that the kids never knew. God restored my job, even my health, as I had really had bad liver and kidney problems. And glory to His name, everything has turned around. You've got to look at your world and say, Am I, Have I been drawn to silence? Has my prayer life been silenced? Has the enemy been able to strip you from your prayer life? It's prayer that is going to urge. It's, for, uh, it's prayer that's going to force the move of God that we're looking for. The move of God in this, around suburbs and regions. It's prayer that's undeniable. I'm telling you, we've got to go back to the basics of Christianity. And I'm not talking about uh, intercession. I don't pray for three, four hours a morning. I'm talking about active, physical prayer. Every step that you take, you're believing. When you walk into the 7-Eleven down the street, you're, pr- you're pr- praying and pouring out the presence of God in this place. I, I, every person I meet, I'm asked for their name. And I ask for the name, I write down that name. And I start praying for that name. The, uh, the person at Woolworths at the, at the register, that person at uh, 7-Eleven, that person at the petrol station, whatever it is. Man, we just want to see the presence of God released. Number three is this. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray and seek. Seek my face. Number three is this. Am I satisfied with just picking God's pockets? Am I satisfied with just picking God's pockets? After school, my son Jai comes into our um, offices. That we've got a school right on the, the campus of City Point in Brisbane. And he comes to my office and one, one afternoon, I was, I, was, I was standing up, and I was talking to, about something with my PA, and all of a sudden, I felt this hand reach into my pocket, and it freaked me out at first, but then I turned around, and it's my son, and he's looking for cash. He's looking for cash so he can buy some chips and a Coke up at Rivers Cafe, and um, I turned around, and I thought about that. In the same way, a lot of us tend to pick God's pockets. We go after his hands. We're so caught up in the urgency of our needs rather than putting our eyes and focusing them on His eyes. Put our attention upon the face of God, upon being vertical and allowing the expression of worship and praise to consume us. Allowing that, 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 that place inside of us. I mean, Moses got tired of his, looking at his hands and wanted to see God in, Moses, in, in Exodus 33. And I can imagine God saying this to Moses. But Moses, you've seen the Red Sea open. You've, you saw the plagues break the grip of Pharaoh. But Moses is just going, I know God, but I haven't seen what I want to see. I want to see you. There needs to be a generation, whether young or old, coming back to that place where all we want is Jesus. All we want is just Jesus. All we want is Him to come and just be in our center, in our heart, to come and to radically revolutionize, uh, radically revolutionize our world. I'm telling you, it's the, worship is the process of discovering God's presence. It's our greatest calling in life. I don't want to be this, at the stage of casual hunger. I don't want to be at the stage where I'm just, just walking through this religious routine walking through this routine of, of just coming to church, 
Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, we, as a church at City Point, I know that you guys are probably doing the same thing. You're believing and believing and believing. And to be honest, we, we, we've, last about five, six years, we set up a new culture, some new, new systems in place, and really just shaped everything around discipleship. You know, in the first three years, it, it felt like we were butting our heads on a brick wall. It felt like we were butting our heads on brick wall. It's like, God, where are you? What, what, where's, where's the tipping point? Where's the overflow? What's happening? And I'm telling you, the beginning of last year, it was quite amazing. I'm telling you, one of those genuine God moments that you just cannot, uh, you know, theatrically perform. You cannot perform it. And all of a sudden, in our services, little by little, just bursts of fire. Or just healings would take place in the services, in the worship. People would just begin to stand up and just scream out loud. I mean, salvation after salvation. Last year alone, we saw over 2,500 salvations through the doors of our church. And it was just, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, literally doubled, almost, you know, literally 75% from the previous year before. And it was just from that tipping point of constant believing, consistency, you know, that, that consistency of just prayerfully seeking God, seeking God, and, and just staying with it, upholding our senior pastor's vision, trusting and believing, and believing what God said that's coming out of their mouth, and obeying that. And knowing that God is working in and through that. Trusting that. That trust factor is so important. And I'm telling you, we stood firm. We upholded our senior pastor, especially when our senior pastor got cancer. When Mark, oh my gosh, when, when, our, when it, we, we found news on Christmas Eve of 2012 that he got cancer. Sorry, 2011 or whatever, whatever it was. When we found out that he got cancer, just, just struck our family with just this dumbfounded. What is going on? I can't believe, are you serious? He was perfect, he was healthy, he was strong, he was going for it. I mean, he's a champion in every right. And all of a sudden, he broke down with not just throat cancer, but lung cancer as well. And for the next six to eight months, our church united, pulled together, stood firm, trusted, believed, believed, kept praising, kept shouting, kept seeking his face. And I'm telling you, man, you should have seen the church that, that day when Pastor Mark announced that he was completely rid of cancer. I mean, there was just such a joy, such a, I mean, literally a standing ovation for at least, I, I don't know, five, six minutes. It was a, a sensational thing. But if, man, if we would just hunger and thirst and pray, God can do amazing things. Number four is this. And turn from our wicked ways. When I was praying, God, more. God, revival. God, just do something. Stir us to go further. He said this, am I holding on to the chains of sin? My Bible says that Jesus set us free. My Bible says it is done and it is finished. It is done and it is finished. When Jesus becomes Lord of our life, when we boldly confess and declare that Jesus is Lord, those chains are broken. The sinner becomes the redeemed. Do you know what I'm saying? The ones broken, the ones helpless, becomes renewed and victorious because we are in Him who defeated all odds. And we can sit here and we can boldly proclaim God reigns He's mighty, He's triumphant, He's awesome on a Sunday. But then go back 
and pick up the chains that have already been broken of fear, anxiety, depression, the fear of sin that we just don't quite want to let go of or that we're afraid to bring into the light because we may be afraid of what many people might think. But I'm telling you, are you holding on to the chains of sin? You're free. It's done. It's broken. Our God officially reigns. There is no name. The name of cancer, think about it. We have elevated the name of cancer so much. When you speak cancer in a prayer meeting, everybody prays with fervency. If you, if you pray for someone who needs a new job, they're like, yeah, okay, God, I'll pray. Yeah, great, great. But we've elevated the name of cancer so much, it actually provo- provokes fear. The name cancer means nothing. It means nothing. The name of Jesus is everything. When we let go of that sin and realize that we are sons and daughters, that we have all dominion and authority on this earth. All that's been given to us has been restored. That once was lost through Adam and Eve, now is restored through Jesus Christ. And we can officially hold the banner high. I'm unashamed. I don't have to live in the fear because His love casts it out. I don't have to live with depression and anxiety. And trust me, I've suffered depression and anxiety. And I've, I've suffered other things, walking through sin. And the thing is, sometimes it doesn't happen straight away. Sometimes you don't find your healing straight away. Sometimes it is a storm every day where you're waking up and you're feeling those thoughts. And that storm coming against you, it's raging, it's pounding. But guess what? When you hold on to the truth, when you stand firm to what was accomplished on the cross, when you walk with your pastors, when you walk with each other in love, I'm telling you, something will eventually take place. The miraculous will happen. God will come through. I'm telling you, today is your day. I really believe that emotional healing is going to take place. Some of you have been battling with emotional healing that, just, that you just can't get rid of. I, I believe it's just a river of healing water is going to take place. If I could have the worship team up, that would be awesome. There's been scars from emotion that I really, when I came in, I just felt a lot of hurt. I felt this brokenness. There's been a lot of trampling on in some people that you just feel like you're, you're, you're walking with a crutch and a limp in this life. But this morning, I believe that God wants to set you free. I believe that God wants to take that weight and those chains off of you and set you completely free and restore you. That's what I believe. I believe God is a renewing God. He's a redeeming God. That we do not have to battle because this battle is already won. This battle is already done. Close your eyes. Father God, this morning, right now, let your presence move. Let your love and your grace and your mercy just start washing over people's hearts. Let your love, your grace, and your mercy start overtaking God. Right now, God, right now where there's emotional uh, sickness, Father, where there's emotional pain and hurting, there's torments, I feel like there's torment in childhoods. Uh, there's people here battling from way back in your childhood. St- stuff that took place, that, that stole innocence. Stuff that took place that has uh, literally, for, the, for a lot of your life, has lingered. And that thought continually needs to come back. And the enemy uses that to, to just speak lies to you on a daily basis. That, come on, right now, in the name of Jesus, we bind it, we break it. Let that fall off. From this day forward, God, that will not be a burden. From this day forward, that will not be an attack anymore. 
Come on this morning in the name of Jesus. Let, let unforgiveness fall. Let bitterness fall so that you can have your way, God. Let pride fall. What we think should be the way. God, let us humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Submit to the leadership. Submit to the vision. So that you can have your way, God, this morning. It's in the chorus. God wants to stir. He wants to fan. He wants to breathe. He wants His fire to consume. And that's you this morning. You're feeling dry. You're feeling, you just, you, you want that something to go to the next level. You feel like that relation just, just that, that extra bit of passion to pour out. That fire to consume me where it just, man, I haven't been living my entire life for God. I haven't been giving it my all. I have not, I, I need that, the Holy Spirit to consume me this morning so that I can take that step forward. If that's you, I would just love you to slip out of your seat and come forward right now. Come down to the altar. And I would love to just simply allow the leadership and, and, and God just to come and move on your heart. If that's you, I'll just take a bold step. Come on the front. They're going to come and continue to sing. Make your way out to front. The fire of God this morning. God to have His way. Come on, we're going to continue to sing. Just slip out of your seat. Come forward. Hello. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Why would the King of Kings, the God of all creation, why would He take His one and only begotten Son? Why would He do that? As a Father from heaven looking down and put His Son through such a horrific journey from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross at Calvary. Why would he do that? Why would he allow him to be beaten and bruised, whipped, spit upon, forsaken, with a crown of thorns on his head, piercing, with blood just... Why would he allow his son to do that? I'll tell you why. It's because you were meant, you were meant to walk this earth with your heavenly Father, with a relationship, a father-son, a father-daughter. You were meant to have a relationship with your God. You were meant to have more than just walking, getting up at 7 a.m. and going to your work. Getting up and just fulfilling the day-to-day duties. You were more purposed and divinely destined for that. You were, you were perfected. You were created with a strategic plan for God's purposes. He loves you so much. And this morning, I want to give you an invitation. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not boldly confessed, if you have not said, you know what, Aaron, I haven't taken that step. This morning, I want to take that step. I've come, I've been coming, or this is my first time coming, and I, 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 want, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of hurting alone. I'm tired of walking this life without, with aimlessly. If that's you this morning, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want to simply give you this opportunity to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to simply put your hand up and say yes, not to me, but to God. Say, yes, God. Jesus, I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I need you today. 
I boldly confess I need you. I'm helpless without you. I'm a sinner. I cannot do this life without you. But in you, God, I can be restored. Within you, I can have and be everything, God, that you've called me to be. If that's you this morning, anyone to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, on the count of three, simply just put up your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand to God this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Just raise your hand to God. Thank you. Come on, around this auditorium. Hands going up. Praise God. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you over there. Hands are going up saying, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. God, you're everything. Awesome decision. Thank you in the back. Awesome. Everybody look up here. Awesome decision. Awesome decision. God, I can't, I can't begin to tell you how much He loves you. If you ever felt a love of a brother or a sister, or if you felt a love, true love of a father or mother, His love surpasses any love that you've ever encountered in this world. I'm telling you, you've just, you've just opened the door for something, the best decision in your entire life. And I'd love for every single one of us in this auditorium, especially you that raised your hand this morning to, to repeat after me, what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer. The Bible says to boldly declare and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what you're doing is you're boldly, outwardly saying, Jesus, come into my life. So just repeat these words after me and say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and shame. I'm a sinner and I now see that I need you. Become my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for your grace that is changing me. Thank you for your love that has saved me. From this day forth, I give it all to you. I live it for you. You are my everything. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, church. Can we give him the praise he deserves? Beautiful God, we worship you, we glorify you, we honor you. Can I just say, those that raise their hand, like anything in life, everything you need to take steps. Everything in life, you need to take steps. It's a journey, it's an adventure. You've got to walk this out. And it takes boldness. When Jesus said, take up your cross, you know, if I was to look back the last 14 years and realize what sort of obstacles and mountains and giants that I would have to face, it's, it's not easy. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's easy, but man, His grace is sufficient. His goodness is, will never leave you nor forsake you. And welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you've been inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy.